Stop. <laughs> what? Do you have any idea what you just did? Come on, we just made the deal of our lifetimes. We should celebrate. You just bet against the American economy. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. Which means... Oh! Which means, if we're right... If we're right, people lose homes. People lose jobs. People lose retirement savings. People lose pensions. You know what I hate about banking? It reduces people to numbers. Here's a number. Every 1% unemployment goes up. 40,000 people die. Did you know that? No. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. We're just excited. Just don't dance. All right. Where are you going? Whoa, I just got really scared. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from The Big Short. The Big Short. Hey, you know what? Uh, every time every time there is a, a disaster in our economy, there are people who take advantage and make money. I've said it a million times that, that uh, good investors make good money on in good markets, and great investors make great money in bad markets. And And... It's, it's always been that way, and it's always going to continue to be that way. And we're watching our economy get worse and worse. And there are going to be people out there that are going to seize opportunities as the stock market comes down. And as, the, uh, as we'll see, home prices probably come down a little bit. Um, we'll see things soften up. There's going to be people taking advantage of that. And we need, and we need to pay attention to that. Um, I, and I, and I thought of that as this morning, this morning, I'm recording Friday morning and we got our, our, uh, our, uh, inflation report today. And, you know, in it, our inflation was 8.5% in April. And then everybody got excited that, or I'm sorry, in March, and then April it came down to 8.3%. So what they're looking at is what were the prices, what were the prices of, of everything, one year ago. So from, from March to March, it went up eight, everything went up an average of eight and a half percent from April to April, it went up 8.3%. And so I said, Hey, it's proof that we peaked out. We're not going to have any more inflation. It's starting to go down. And then in May, uh, it was 8.6% proving that, Hey, just because one month was happened to be however it was, uh, it went, it went down from the month before. That doesn't mean that we're stopping. 
And people are look people are looking at uh at statistics that way and say, hmm, you know, and it's it's always easy to to uh analyze those in the rear view mirror, but uh not maybe not as easy to do in real time and say, hey, what do we see by this month's by this month's uh numbers? Well, you know, the people use it, use it for whatever they want, whatever their agenda is. Like uh last month they were all saying, hey, inflation's starting to go down already. And uh, you know, you'll see the the employment reports, hey, look how many jobs were were created this month. And of course, it's not till the following month that all those numbers get corrected. And they're not quite as good as they as they were stated the, the month before, but nobody pays attention to that. It's kind of like if you if you slander somebody uh, in the newspaper today, but you put a correction in tomorrow, nobody sees the correction. Hey, on the front page, uh, Trump is colluding with Russia. And then uh, when they find out that he wasn't colluding with Russia, it was really Hillary Clinton. That's after the election. And then they put on page six and uh, at the bottom of the page. And you don't really see that. And so people don't people don't pay attention to that stuff. Well, you know, we put in a retraction. We we uh, printed it in the newspaper. So that gets us off the hook for for lying to everybody. And uh, kind of the same thing that we're seeing with the uh, with the uh, January 6th uh, prime time prime time. Uh, uh, hearings that we saw Thursday night, and uh, you know, you you get to see you get to see uh, Liz Cheney and all the all the Democrats go out there and bring on bring on uh, bad actors to say, oh, how terrible it was, and it was this and it was that, and uh, you know, Trump Trump was uh, was trying to steal our democracy when we know damn well that that wasn't really the case. We know that we know that Trump said, hey, walk uh, march. Uh, patriotically and uh, and peacefully, oh, and make sure your voices are heard. He didn't say anything about tearing down the Capitol or any of that stuff. But all you got to do is throw in a few uh, a few uh, uh, Antifa people that are just troublemakers, and throw them throw a MAGA hat on them, and have them go in at the same time that everybody's out in front of the Capitol. Next thing you know, we can blame you know. And of course, Trump asked for all the security, but it was turned down. You don't think they had that thing planned? They absolutely had this thing planned. You know, don't think don't think the de- Democrats do anything without a without a uh, without pre-planning it, knowing what the knowing what's going to go on and how they're going to play it. These I'll, I'll tell you, the Democrats don't know how to run a country or how to run an economy, but they know how they know how to play politics. They know how to plan a uh, uh, a gaslight, a gaslight, uh, uh, a gaslight plan on people to get them to think something to get them to to steer away from the truth and they're good at that and we're going to talk about that a lot more uh that song was land of confusion from uh, genesis from the 80s it was a anti-reagan song at the at the time because they thought uh, reagan was a senile old warmonger and of course uh and he wasn't doing things that are right right for the world or for uh or for america when uh, that was absolutely not the truth. And of course, the same stuff they're trying to do to Trump. And uh, now we have the the real senile old idiot in the White House and his whole cabinet full of idiots. Uh, you know, it's it's funny how every single person in the cabinet is is incompetent. Our secretary of uh, defense is uh, is not quite not quite there. And our 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 secretary of Homeland Security He's not there. Nobody's paying attention to their jobs. The vice president is the borders are, and she does, you know, she can't make, she can't 
She can't put two words in a coherent sentence together. Well, we're going to work. We're going to get together and talk about working together. And we're going to work together on this thing because together we can do so much things and we're going to do it all together. And, you know, she goes on every subject and, and makes word salads like that. Um, you've got the secretary of treasury who, who just babbles, just babbles words. And, you know, it's like, Hey, she's an economist and she was the head of the, she was the chairman of the fed at one time, but this lady is just not all there. And she's just not, Hey, well, you know what? I was wrong about this, but you know, uh, and we'll talk about that more later in the show, but, um, it's just, our whole, our whole government is just incompetent. And then we could talk about, uh, well, we'll talk about that after I introduce myself. So let's, we'll talk about the, the primary that happened on Tuesday, but before I do, let me introduce myself to those of you that don't know me. My name is Ed Hoffman, branch manager, plant home lending. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855 855- 640-2020, one last time, dear night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to uh, talk with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Planet Home Lending logo, and that'll take you to my lending page. You can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, Brian, Brian, Casey, or Jackson. Brian Beck, Brian Goodman, Casey Gresh, or uh, Jackson Waldrop, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Help get it right back in the spot where it's supposed to be. So, if you think you might be uh, you might be in the market for for real estate financing, whether you should refinance, rearrange some of your debt, look into one of them reverse mortgage things or uh, uh, reverse mortgage things uh, for those of you that are over sixty two or have uh, and you feel like you have more life left than you have money. Um, we'll get you dialed in on that. Or if you think you maybe want to buy a new piece of property, the market is softening up. And, uh, for those of you that have been trying to get a house and you keep getting outbid, seems to be getting softened up and, uh, you might look into, look into some properties now. Um, you know, I had, I had one of my clients call me and say, Hey, I bought a $300,000 house in Las Vegas, uh, a couple of years ago. And it's worth and it's worth about four twenty five now. And uh, he goes, I got out of the military. You know, I I financed his house a year and a half ago. He goes, now I'm out of the military. I'm making about double what I was making in the military. I'm not used to making this much money, but I'm thinking about buying a six hundred thousand dollar house. And uh, and he goes, does it? But does it even make sense in this market with the higher interest rates? And I said, well, you know, my theory is is when you're buying a house to invest in, it's all about how much money comes out of your pocket and how much money you're getting in cash flow. So it's all about, it's all about the, the, the cash flow and the numbers. When you're looking for a house to live in, it's all about what makes your wife happy. So does it make sense? Is your wife unhappy where you live now? And would she be more happy in a, in a more expensive house? Because um, you can certainly qualify for it. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's my theory on that. So um, if you're, you know, when does it, when does it make sense? Rates, rates are a lot worse than they were four or five months ago, but they're still in the fives. They're still much better than, you know, I bought my first house at 12 and three quarters. And when I got in the mortgage business, um, five years later, um, I had some of my friends that I was refinancing and say, Hey, what am I a dirt bag? I can't get under 10%. 
you know, I was giving him 10.125 and I said, well, the rates aren't there yet. So, you know, and, and we've seen them go all the way down into the twos. So, but keeping things in perspective, the rates aren't still that terrible. Um, and with the, and if you're looking to buy the market softening up is a big, is a big plus. So uh, again, 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Planet Home Lending logo. If you want to hear this show uh, repeated, go to, uh, go to stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. And uh, if you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. So uh, let's, uh, let's uh, get on to what's going on. I started to talk about the California primary. So seven states held primary runoff elections this, this uh, week, including California, where a whopping 25 candidates challenged Gavin Newsom to, uh, to win the, the, the honor to run against him in the general election in November. Um, seems, like, seems like to me that, you know, this is how I saw the election. You got 25, you got 25 people running against Gavin Newsom. Nobody knew who any of them were. And I don't know if this is a California issue or if it's the California GOP, but there's like no, no, uh, where, nowhere where you got to actually see who these people were. You know, there's, if, if you, if you search for them, you could, but there was really no, no news coverage on it. And, you know, we went in, went in not knowing. And, and of course, uh, the, the groups that, uh, that I talked to, uh, like Jenny, Jenny LaRue, and they liked, uh, Mike Schellenberger, uh, who was an independent who, if you watch, uh, real time with Bill Maher was on there the, the Friday before the election. And I wasn't positive that I was comfortable with him, but I voted for Jenny LaRue. Um, and Brian Dolly was the uh, California assemblyman who, uh, the California GOP was pushing, but anybody that I knew that was really active in the party uh, just didn't like him. They thought, eh, he's the, he's the, he's the uh, establishment candidate. So the top two vote get vote getters, regardless of the party advanced to the November election under the California's top two system. And unless one of those challengers skyrockets in the vote tally, not likely it's uh, it looks like Brian Dolly is the one who's going to run against Newsom in November. Uh, as he got a, uh, there was a 1,913,000 voted for Newsom and 572,000 uh, voted for Brian Dolly. And uh, the next in line was 125,000 for Michael Schellenberger. So no one even really made a, uh, a, a showing. Hopefully uh, Brian Dolly, hopefully as he's the only, only chance we have to get rid of, uh, of uh, Gavin Newsom, hopefully he does well and hopefully he does uh, actually gets out there and says something. Uh, he's large. He's, he's a largely unknown state uh, Senator from Northern California. Um, he raised $400,000 compared to Newsom's 23 million. And if you're like me, this is probably the first time you've heard his voice. We have the highest poverty, poverty rate in the nation. We have the highest taxes in the nation. We have crime running rampant. We have the cost of living exploding in California. And so Gavin Newsom doesn't want to talk about his record. He is really good at talking about what's happening in other states and uh, focusing on a president who hasn't even been on Twitter for two years uh, because he just quite frankly can't talk about his failures. I just asked, uh, you know, the constituents and the voters of California, uh, what's working in California? Name one thing that's working in California. And then I pause and wait and, you know, the, they can't answer. They, there's not a lot that's happening great in California. It's because Gavin Newsom is a failure. 
Yeah, standard speech, not very noteworthy. We didn't learn anything about uh, Brian Dolly. Um, all we learned was that Newsom is a failure. We know that. And uh, we already knew that. And, um, you know, where was Larry Elder? I think uh, Larry Elder did did well against Newsom in the uh, in the recall election, but didn't quite get there. And I think had he run again, uh, because he got a lot of he got a lot of uh, of uh, of um, time, some media time after the election, talking about the election, I think would have been it would have been good if he had run again. Um, Apparently, he's not up for running in California again, thinks it's too tough. And uh, he's doing his thing. So but that would have been that would have been a good time for someone that we actually knew to have gone up against them. Um, and I, and I feel like Brian Dolly's much like uh, John Cox, you know, Hey, the, the Republican party supported him because he's a good fundraiser and he's rich. And, you know, uh, four years ago we had uh, four years ago, or was it? No, it was six years ago. We had uh, Travis Allen and Travis Allen was really somebody. He was Donald, he was Cal- California's Donald Trump. And he would have, he, he, everybody who heard him, heard him speak was excited about him. Nobody that heard Brian Dolly. I, that speech, that speech is just a canned Republican speech. And then probably every single person running for any office is the same thing. Hey, Gavin Newsom is failing. The Democrats are failing. We need to do something else. Yeah. So why vote for you? Cause there's, there's a uh, 20, 24 other uh, Republicans saying the same thing. Why vote for you? So Kind of disappointing, but uh, California had a big whopping, whopping uh, 19%, somewhere between 16 and 19% of registered voters actually voted. A few congressional race results. The winner in the 22nd district, Devin Nunes' former seat representing Fresno and Visalia. I remember Dennis, uh, Devin Nunes uh, resigned so he could go run the the truth social media uh, for Trump. And, And his district is actually getting eliminated in January. So uh, the winner of his district was Republican leader in the state assembly, Connie Conway. This wasn't a primary. This was an election because it's uh, missing someone. So she got 60% of the vote. However, the district will be eliminated in January when redistricting takes, takes effect. She said she'll only serve for six months and then she's not running for anything else because the district goes away. In the 40th district, which is uh, Downey, East LA, Commerce, Bellflower, Huntington Park, historic South Central, Republican Young Kim will face off against Democrat Asif Mahmood in November. Right now, predictions say she will win. Uh, closer to home, my home, the, the 39th district, formerly known as the 41st district, uh, Riverside, Moreno Valley, Paris, uh, Democrat Mark Takano won again, followed by our friend Aja Smith, who got around 4,000 votes um, compared to Takano's 22,000 votes. And, you know, this is the disappointing part of part of this was that there were six, six Republicans running against Takano. Only one of them uh, actually put out a candidate statement. And the part that bothered me is that Aja Smith was posting on Facebook about learning more about uh, life insurance. And I said, hey, hey, call me to learn more about life insurance. I said, hey, aren't you running for Congress? She goes, yeah, I'm on the ballot. Yeah, but are you running? And now, now if she's going to be the one running against Takano again, is she going to, is she going to campaign? I'm not sure. Maybe she figures third time, maybe she's giving up with only 40% of reporting and Republican Bill Spinney at a very close third place. 
he got 3,365 votes compared to 3,956 for Aja Smith. Um, we don't have our top two set in stone yet because they're still counting. Uh, up in the Bay Area, there was a successful recall air, uh, effort against uh, insanely liberal San Francisco DA Chesa Boudin. For those of us who've never heard of Chesa Boudin until this week, he's the first San Francisco DA to charge police officer with homicide. Also ending cash bail, starting a program that gives low-level uh, offenders therapy instead of jail time, and prosecuting ICE agents who violate the city sanctuary city policy. Sounds like our kind of guy. Not. He's also the product of two parents who were in the weather underground with Bill Ayers. Remember him? Uh, you know, they they uh, uh, they bombed. They they did 25 bombings between 60, 69 and 75. Uh, uh, they did a Fort Dix military dance bomb that killed three people there. And uh, of course, they got uh, they went to jail for a Brinks Brinks truck uh, robbery where they killed two police officers in 1981. And somebody else got, there was three people that killed, two of them were police officers. So Bill Ayers, who is uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, weather underground guy that uh, actually was supporting Barack Obama, who let Barack Obama announce his candidacy in his living room. Bill Ayers actually adopted Chesa Boudin when he was 14 months old. And uh, because both parents are in jail, I guess uh, Boudin's mother served 20 years before she died. And his dad is still in jail uh, for that role in that uh, Brinks truck. Uh, so, you know, hey, that kind of makes sense. According to San Francisco Gate, the recall results uh, showed that 60 percent of San Francisco voters have had enough of Boudin, just like I suspect the voters in L.A. will have enough of uh, George Gascon. But guess who he's blaming for his defeat? People are angry. They're frustrated. And I want to be very clear about what happened tonight. The right wing billionaires outspent us three to one. They exploited an environment in which people are appropriately upset. And they created an electoral dynamic where we were literally shadow boxing. Yeah, it's funny how he's uh, talking about the, the right wing billionaires uh, outspent them. And got them. Yeah, you know what? It's still if the if they're advertising things that you're doing that that don't keep them safe. As long as it's true, what's the difference? And of course, uh, they they couldn't complain about Chesa Boudin unless Chesa Boudin's policies were uh, destroying their lifestyle and not keeping them safe. And it's funny how they he's complaining about them when it was uh, the left wing the left wing billionaire George Soros who got him put in there. Seems to be uh, the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, it's it's just it's just amazing to me that how the uh, how they want to blame blame things. Hey, you know what? The fact that that you were that you were born to to two anti-government people that spent the rest of their lives in jail for for bombing things that represented uh, you know uh, the 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 government. Uh, starting wars that they didn't like or having policies that they didn't like. And then you got raised by, you got raised by uh, Bill Ayers and uh, Bernadette, Bernadette Dorn, uh, or is it Bernadine Dorn? Bernadette Dorn. Anyway, Bill Ayers wife, you know, it's, 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 it's again, what I say is that you're the product, you know, if I always say, Hey, if you got, if you got screwed up kids, you were probably a screwed up parent. So if you know if your your uh, your kids are a product of how you raise them, and if you were and if you were uh, lenient and let and were permissive 
and they turn out to be little uh, criminals because you were permissive and let them do whatever they wanted to do, then, you know, it's how you raise them. Um, and if you're, and if you're strict with them and, and demand hard work and demand, demand that they, they, uh, they go to school and do their homework and you demand that they, that they, uh, that they strive for, for excellence and they come out good. That's a reflection of your, of your parenting. So unfortunately, uh, unfortunately that's a Chesa Boudin and the people are saying, Hey, we don't like you. You're anti-government. You're uh, you have that anti-government thing and you don't want to, you don't want to uh, prosecute criminals. You want to let them out on the street. You want to let them, you want to prosecute, uh, you want to prosecute the cops if they enforce the, uh, if they enforce the, uh, the laws. And that's kind of how it's going across this country and the people don't like it. So anyway, I'm a lot of time for this half of the main event. So stay, stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports and commercials. And I'll be back with lots more that happened this week. back to part two of the main event my name is ed hoffman branch manager planet home lending i don't talk a lot about real estate and finance but if you're uh if you're in the market if you're in the market or if you wonder if you're in the market if you think uh you're if you think your your debt structure isn't what it should be and maybe you should uh use some of that equity in your house to to fix that and you want to just check it out talk to someone who will tell you if it doesn't make sense and not try to talk you into it Call me toll free at 855-640-2020. If you're, uh, you or your spouse is over 62 and you've got equity in your house and you'd like to use it to, uh, to uh, maybe make your lifestyle a little easier in your, in your retirement years and you want to just check out that reverse mortgage thing, call me 855-640-2020. If you're thinking that uh, maybe California is not the place that it's been all these years and maybe you should consider a property in another, in another, another state like uh Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Texas, New Mexico, uh, Louisiana, Tennessee, Arkansas, Georgia, Florida, Virginia, West Virginia, uh, Maryland, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Montana, Idaho, Oregon, or Washington. I think that's all of them. Uh, And you want to buy a property there. Uh, call me. I'm licensed in all those states, and I can help you uh, help you with the same service I've been giving you for 32 years. So we were talking about we were talking about the uh, primary before in the first half. Let's talk about the the new migrant caravan uh, coming up coming up from uh, the south to our <laughs> to our border. It's been three years since uh, since a large caravan made it all the way to the southern border. Hmm. I wonder why. But right now. 
One of the largest caravans in history is on its way with 80% of the people in it coming from Venezuela. Uh, despite Title 42 remaining in place, many of these migrants will be passed, will be fast passed into the U.S. Uh, let me start that over. Despite Title 42 remaining in place, many of these migrants will be fast passed into the U.S. Reporter Ali Bradley was on Tucker explaining how. So, Tucker, this caravan, it only lasted about two days, realistically, and they only made it about 26 miles. They are all getting humanitarian visas. Over the next couple of days, they're going to be able to transit freely through Mexico. And what that really means is they're going to be able to go fast past right to the U.S.-Mexico border, and from there, they'll claim asylum. Where's the Mexican government in this? So the Mexican government, you know, they kind of act like we are doing something. We're allowing them to stay and work in Mexico with this humanitarian visa. But again, all it is is really allowing them to bypass these checkpoints that they're going to inevitably hit and need immigration papers for. The caravan kind of protected them, but now they have these humanitarian visas. They can get on a bus, a plane, whatever they need to do in order to get to our southern border. So these uh, humanitarian visas are in Mexico, so they're not something that they're going to get here, but it allows them to travel through Mexico without going through checkpoints. And why is that? Why is the Mexican government doing that? Seems like uh, seems like the Mexican government really doesn't care about America anymore. Uh, they seem to when Trump was in there and we had the stay in Mexico, stay in Mexico uh, uh, law. And they seem to be working with Trump uh, so that things would uh, things so we wouldn't have so many people at the at the our southern border, people trying to get in. But for some reason, and we'll talk about this in the. Uh, as a, as we talk about the uh, the summit of Americas, Mexico's just not just not uh, cooperating. So caravan organizers have admitted they timed the trip to coincide with Biden hosting the summit of Americas in Los Angeles this week. What is the summit of Americas? According to the State Department, it's an international meeting that brings together the leaders of all countries, North, South, and Central America, as well as the Caribbean. Except that Mexico President Lopez Obrador is boycotting to protest the White House decision to exclude dictator-led countries, Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. So, hmm, you know, if, if Trump was in there, Trump was in there, Trump tried to play nice with everybody. And, and, and I say play nice, he tried to not exclude people. Hey, I don't want to just, I don't want to talk to you because you're a, you're a dictator. He would talk to him and say, hey, this is where we're at. This is where we're at. You can do what you want, but we're not going to put up with this. We're not going to put up with that. We're not going to put up with the other. If you want help from us, you got to it's got to be a, a two-way street and we can't see you uh we can't see you doing stuff that's that's uh wrong or else we cut you off. And hey, you know it's it's a friend it's a friendly friendly relationship. Friendly relationship, but he's not taking any crap. It's America first. We stand for this. Biden on the other hand, if he doesn't like you, he doesn't talk to you. Well, that's not a leader. That's not a leader. That's a that's a uh, that's a, a, a sorority. Well, I don't like you. I'm not going to talk to you. So we got that guy running our country. I don't want to talk to Venezuela because it's a dictatorship. Well, they're sending all their people here. Why don't you talk to him and tell him the way things are? That's just not Biden. Um, as a host, as the as the host, Biden administration has chosen to theme. The theme for the summit to be building a sustainable, resilient and equitable future for our hemisphere. So, you know, we're a sustainable, resilient, equitable future. Everything's equitable these days. No, hey, we got to have equity. We got to have racial equity. We got to have 
uh, we have to have international, sustainable, uh, resilient, and equitable future for our hemisphere. No equitable. And that means you get some equity or does that mean that you earn something? I'm not, I'm not positive, but I don't see anybody earning something. Hey, you know what? If, if they're trying to give racial equity, uh, you earn something, you earn something because you're a different race. I don't see how that is. Or is it, Hey, you own, we have to give you some ownership because you're a specific race. I'm not sure. And how is it? How is it the people from other countries? Let's build an equitable future. So did they, did the people in Venezuela earn something, the right to be in America? Or are we just going to give them a piece? Well, you know, we're, we're all attached. You're attached, you know, uh, Mexico attaches to the United States and, and uh, Mexico attaches to uh, Nicaragua and El Salvador. And uh, so since we're all attached, we should all have a piece of it. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, on Tuesday, we got some proof that Kamala Harris is still sort of the borders are at the summit. She announced, $1.9 billion in private sector, sector commitments to invest in Central America as part of addressing the root causes of migration. Well, I'm not sure how private sector uh, commitments to invest in Central America is part of addressing the root causes. The initiatives include 700 million expansion of cellular, net, cellular networks in Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador by Miami-based company Millicom a $270 million commitment by Visa to promote digital payments, and a $150 million nearshoring investments by The Gap, which they say will create 5,000 jobs. So let me think. This is part of our investment in Central America to address the root causes of migration. Does that mean that the fact that uh, uh, Millicom wants to, wants to get some of that cellular money they're going to set up, hey, there's more and more people in Central America using cell phones. So we're going to put some towers over there so we can charge them some fees. That's that's called capitalism. Uh, $270 million by Visa to promote digital payments. Hey, well, as long as people are going to have cellular phones and they're going to have service, we want to give them, we want to invest out there so they can make digital payments and we can charge them 15% interest. And $150 million uh, by the gap, they could say, hey, we're going to put some uh, jobs down in... Uh, in Central America so that we can get some cheap labor to, uh, to make jeans and clothes and stuff. And uh, what does any of that have to do with Kamala Harris or the root causes of migration? Here's Biden at the summit on Wednesday. I'm announcing a new economic partnership that builds on all the work we have done with the region and will guide our engagement going forward. We're calling it America's Partnership for Economic Prosperity. And it's grounded on the same core values that my administration is bringing to our own strong economic recovery. First, the American partnership will help economies grow from the bottom up and the middle out, not the top down. We need to break the cycle where marginalized communities are hit the hardest by disasters and have the fewest resources to recover from crises and prepare for the next one. Together, we have to invest in making sure our trade is sustainable and responsible in creating supply chains that are more resilient, more secure, and more sustainable. Second, America's partnership will foster innovation and help governments deliver for their own people. I'm proposing the fundamental reforms of the Inter-American Development Bank Group, and the United States is ready to put our new capital in the bank's private sector 
lending arm, the IDB investment, to help capitalize on the critical flow of private capital in the region, especially to those startup digital connectivity, renewable energy, and health. Third, the American partnership will tackle the climate crisis head on with the same mentality we're bringing to the work in the United States. So we're going to tackle, we're going to, we're going to tackle the, this with the same man, the climate crisis, the same mentality that we brought to, to, uh, to our country. Is that, is that a positive thing to say with the same mentality, we're going to turn off the energy and we're going to make sure that it's, we're going to invest in renewable energy down there. And we're going to make sure that none of you guys are producing any energy or get any oil And uh, we're just going to build on that with the same mentality that we're doing in the United States that made the gas prices double, which makes which since that affects everybody, uh, since that affects everybody, it's it made everything double. So the price of price of food, the price of everything is going up because everybody uses fuel. So let's stop production of oil. And uh, it'll affect everything that's that's going on. Well, we're going to invest in that. We're going to invest in that. It builds. It builds. Uh, it builds on all the work we've done down there. What work have we done? What have we done down there? We sent Kamala Harris down there, and uh, what did she come up with? Nothing. So uh, it's going to build on all that stuff, and uh, and then it's uh, with private investment. Well, we you didn't do anything. The private investment. Just because just because uh, American companies see an opportunity to invest in Central America and they can make some money, what does that have to do with Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or the United States of America? I don't know. This just doesn't seem like he's saying anything. Um, so anyway, so you could see what's uh, what's going on with the uh, with the summit of Americas and uh, and Biden's so. Uh, so eloquent and so uh, effective. That's the word I'm looking for. Effective. He's so effective in actually driving something that makes makes some sense. We're gonna build. We're gonna build uh, with in Central America. We're gonna help you guys build from the bottom up and the middle out, like we're doing, not the top down. Well, it sounds to me like the top down because you got a some company investing. Some company that has 700 million to expand in, into Central America with their with their cell cell sites, and you got Visa. Visa, they're they're the bottom up, and uh, and then the Gap, they're gonna they're gonna take advantage. They're gonna put 150 million dollars in there to uh, to hire some uh, some some cheap labor. That's that's uh, investing in the yeah. I guess that's how the economy works, the top down. So anyway. Take a look at this stuff, folks, and uh, and just use your brain. So uh, while the president, the vice president are making nice with Latin America, Americans are getting ready for the summer of suffering with the gas prices reaching a new high. California prices, according to AAA, regular regular gas in AAA this week uh, averaged $6.39 a gallon, mid-grade $6.57 a gallon, and premium $6.71 a gallon. Diesel is even higher at $6.94 a gallon. While I, while I was uh, on my way to Montana this week, uh, we stopped for gas in Island Park, Idaho, and, uh, and I took a picture and posted it on, on Facebook, and I paid $7.20 a gallon for Supreme. Uh, and typically, you think outside of California that outside of California, you, uh, 
you get lower gas, but uh, not everywhere. And uh, what's the administration's answer? On, on Monday, Joe Biden invoked the Defense Production Act to make solar panels, or as the Department of Energy website says, to accelerate manufacturing of clean energy. What's that have to do with gas prices? They're going to accelerate the manufacturing of clean energy. Well, here's Corrine Jean-Pierre with the announcement. He is invoking the Defense Production Act to rapidly expand per, uh, domestic production uh, of solar panel parts, building ins insulation, heat pumps, and more. These historic actions will cut costs uh, for American families, strengthen our power grid, and tackle the climate crisis. So they're going to they're going to take some company that does something else and say, hey, we're going to invoke the, the Defense Production Act. And we're going to we're going to have you making insulation, heat pumps and solar parts. Well, most caught, you know, here, here's here's how I see things. The Biden administration is trying to push this climate change thing and this renewable energy. You can see that the country is already changing slowly. Because we can't move fast because you aren't going to take all the internal combustion engines and just turn and just just junk them. You're not going to do that. But you can see how Tesla came out and Chevy came out with the Volt. And now Chevy has a couple of different a bunch of different uh, vehicles that come electric. Tesla's got a whole bunch of new models, BMW and and Ford and Chrysler. They're all coming out with their electric vehicles and people will. People will buy them as they get comfortable with, with electric. Maybe not me, but some people. And people, you're seeing more and more electric cars on the road. It'll happen naturally, and it won't happen in four years. And it won't happen in, it'll probably take 30 or 40 years to where anything, anything like what he's talking about can happen. Meanwhile, fossil fuels are still needed to power this stuff. And now they're going to they're now they're going to invoke this is how they're going to fix the the gas problem is they're going to invoke the 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 defense production act to get companies to make heat pumps insulation and solar panel parts somehow i just don't see that making any sense hey to fix uh the mileage on your car we're going to we're going to make uh, new uh new radio antennas uh, and, uh, so you put on your bicycles. So when, so when you're riding your bike, because you can't afford gas, at least you can get a good reception on your, uh, on your, uh, on your radio. I'm just not sure where exactly that's going. Biden went on Jimmy Kimmel on Wednesday night to defend his abysmal performance on the economy. There's a lot of major things we've done, but what we haven't done is we haven't been able to communicate it. Look how the press is. It has changed. Oh, listen, it, I, I get it. I know you get you overstand it. Yeah. You don't just understand it. You overstand it. <laughs> but here's the deal. One of the things is that it's very difficult now to have a um, even with, with notable exceptions, even the really good reporters, they have to get the number of clicks on on, the, on nightly news. Mm -hmm. So instead of asking a question anyway, it just everything gets gets sensationalized. Inflation is the is, is the is the bane of our existence. Inflation is mostly in food and in gasoline. But here's the deal. You know, my dad used to say every, every family is a little bit of breathing room. 
If you take and look at all the costs that a family has on a monthly basis, it also includes health care, prescription drugs, child care, all those things. What I'm proposing we get, and I think we can get it done, I'm proposing that we, in fact, reduce the cost of those things. Yeah, so most of the inflation is in food and gasoline. So uh, we can't do anything about that because I'm too stupid to know how, how that to realize I caused it and I could fix it simply by turning the production back on. But instead, uh, since every every uh, every every family is, has a little bit of a need there, uh, he's going to try and lower the cost of health care and prescription drugs. But what about the young people that are healthy, don't go to the doctor and aren't taking prescription drugs, and they're trying to they're trying to feed their young kids. And well, we can't do anything about that, but we're going to lower the cost of healthcare and prescription drugs. Hey, you know, you screwed up when you when you turned off the pipelines and all the all the uh, drilling, and that affected everybody who's in the production years of their life. And we've heard a lot from the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who's been testifying Capitol Hill all week long on things that she has no concept of, like uh, wind and sun. Look, over the medium term, the critical thing is that we become more dependent on the wind and the sun that are not subject to geopolitical influences and passing clean um, energy credits that will boost um, non-renewables is, I think, really, really critical to... um, to, to, to addressing climate change and our uh, energy costs for households. So this lady's the Treasury Secretary. She's supposed to be dealing with uh, making sure our economy is good. And uh, since we've become more dependent on wind and sun, and those aren't, uh, those aren't affected by geopolitical uh, influences, uh, we could give tax credits. Someone who clearly couldn't contain her excitement about Yellen's testimony was uh, Congresswoman Debbie Stabenow, who used her time addressing Yellen to brag about $100,000 Tesla she drove from from Michigan. Well, good morning, Madam Secretary. We're so glad to have you uh, with us. I do have to say just on the issue of uh, uh, gas prices, after waiting for a long time uh, to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle, I got it uh, and drove it from Michigan to here uh, this last weekend and went by every single gas station. and didn't matter how high it was. And so I'm looking forward to the opportunity for us to move to vehicles that aren't going to be dependent on the um, whims of of the oil companies and the uh, international markets shows the disconnection from the the Democrats. Hey, you know most people can't afford a hundred thousand dollar Tesla, and they're hurting because they don't have mu- they don't have enough money to uh, get to work. Maybe that's why we have so many extra jobs going on is because the uh, is because people can't afford the gas to get to the job for what they're paying and what it costs them, what they can spend it on. So let's talk about uh, gun violence. Uh, someone who made a little more sense on guns was actor Matthew McConaughey, who was invited to speak at Tuesday's press briefing. McConaughey is from Uvalde, Texas, where last month's school shooting took place. We need to restore our family values. We need to restore our American values. And we need responsible gun ownership, responsible gun ownership. We need background checks. We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle to 21. 
We need a waiting period for those rifles. We need red flag laws and consequences for those who abuse them. These are reasonable, practical, tactical regulations to our nation, states, communities, schools, and homes. Responsible gun owners are fed up with the Second Amendment being abused and hijacked by some deranged individuals. Well, you know, while listening, while listening, while my initial Im- impression was, hey, why is Matthew McConaughey at the White House uh, making those uh, comments? But after listening to his after listening to it, you know, I say, hey, you know what? His heart is in the right place. And, you know, a four day waiting period to uh, to buy it, to buy a, a long gun. I won't say just AR-15 should be long guns, but I don't see that as a problem because California has a 10 day, 10 day waiting period. But. McConaughey said, hey, this is a cool off period. So, you know, you, you make these decisions and you have four days to four days to reconsider and maybe change your mind that maybe you didn't want that. But I say the four days, hey, if you're going to do background checks, actually have have the time and let make the FBI do their jobs and check these things out. Check out their social media. Actually do a real background check. You don't have to do background checks and everybody just people that want to buy guns and just check them out. And he talks about red flag laws where you uh, red flag people uh, and then they can't buy a gun, which I don't really uh, necessarily say it should. It should be you should be required when you see a red flag to say something. But he did say with consequences for people that uh, that abuse the red flag laws. So, hey, you know, if you're getting divorced and you just want to screw over your husband and you just report, hey, this guy's this guy's a insane guy. He shouldn't be able to, to buy a gun. And then they find out that it's, uh, you know, they should call this law the Amber Heard law. You know, if you just say stuff that isn't true, there's consequences for that. Then I think those I think that some of those things are, are good considerations. But overall, this is a mental health problem. It's not a it's not a gun problem. Anyway, I'm out of time for this episode of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week.